0: Please do, do do those things. Please do do those things. Do do, 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 do do those do things. Those things. Yeah. I'm try that again.
1: The Jerry Anderson Podcast with Jamie Anderson, Richard James
0: and Chris Dale. It's getting close, isn't it? What? <laughs> what is? Breakaway day. Oh, I see. Gosh, yes. Well, I mean, yeah, uh, on the moon uh, back in 1999. Yeah. On the 11th of September. Yeah. I mean, there was all sorts of stuff going on. 13th September, wasn't it? Yeah, but oh, I see. They, on the they 11th were there November a few days before. Of course they, they were. They were worrying about, you know, yeah. whatever this mysterious illness yeah. was and strange ra- radiation right. readings and... Oh.
1: oh, I tell you what, oh, I wish I'd done that. Like, diary entries would be interesting, wouldn't it, for the for the period yeah. leading up to it?
0: <laughs> oh, Whose diary? Everyone's diary. Gorsby's yeah, diary. Yeah, exactly. Ooh. Yeah.
1: Oh, have we got a significant September 13th coming up? 50th anniversary, 40th or something? When was it? 70... 2025
0: will oh, be the 50th anniversary. Maybe a
1: diary for from some of the characters oh. leading up to Breakaway
0: Day. Ooh. Whoa. Yeah, that'd be anyway, nice. uh, mm. Enough of that, because Sorry. there are people
1: watching. And listening. Yes. Uh, so this is the Jerry Anderson podcast, mm. in case you didn't know. Yep. In case you've just kind of stumbled across us, which you might have done.
0: Yeah. That'd uh, be strange. If yeah. you have, email us, podcastgerryanderson.com, oh. and say, I've just stumbled across you. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Uh, uh, you are uh, Richard James Esquire.
1: Quite right. And you are uh, Master Jamie Anderson. <laughs> A Correct. PhD. Ooh OBE, um, M-O-B-E, um M-A,
0: B- if you want to B Q um yeah. I don't know. M A are you? Yeah. Cool. Oh, I wish I had letters out my name. Yeah. But I don't use them. I think I've got an acting diploma if that helps. Oh amazing. What's that like
1: dip act or something? I think I don't know. <laughs> I've got nothing to say. I mean I didn't get a certificate or it's nothing. Okay. So I don't know.
0: Well, compared to the qualifications of our other <gasps> third member the illustrious the learned archduke archduke Christinand. random Random random, furtherand Rice to the third yes him anyway, anyway hi chris <laughs> hello hi chris. chris, he's also here uh, yeah. and uh, he'll be coming up later on with the randomizer yes, which is actually a device as right. well as the name of the segment and also the thing that gives him his name the randomizer you uh, see it's, it's quite cool. clever how that's all interlinked it's almost oh, like we planned it clever uh, anyway, using that device and our special guest this week, who you can tell us about oh, in a moment, yeah. Chris will activate the randomiser yep. and uh, that will pick a random episode of a random Jerry Anderson show and then he will watch it and say things about it and uh, yeah. you can watch along with him yeah. on the YouTube channel or listen along on the podcast yeah, yeah. or whatever.
1: It's great, isn't it? And the person pressing that button this week oh, is... It's none other than Anton Phillips. <sighs> Doctor Bob Matthias from Space 1999. He can amazing. tell us all about Breakaway Day. Oh, amazing! Uh, isn't that fortuitous that we've got him along for the next couple of weeks, straddling September 13th? It ain't fortuitous, Richard no, it was James. Planned. It's because you planned it because you are <laughs> very true. clever like that. That's right. So I'm so looking forward to meeting Anton Phillips and
0: hearing all about his life and career. Yeah. So
1: much to tell us, such a long career, amazing. full of uh, interesting stuff.
0: It's yeah fantastic guest yeah uh we've also got fab facts yes That's now facts i'm excited again, i've got a good feeling about fab facts today have you yeah i don't know why <laughs> well, how do you mean what tingling or you just feel a bit itchy or what is it what S- sort is of warm specified? pins and needles in my knees what have you done it might be it might be arthritis i don't uh, know right, but okay. yeah no I, I've, I've got a good feeling i mean it's random because i flicked flipped through the book and sure. we'll we'll get to that shortly but uh, what, what else is happening
1: well the only thing that isn't random really is the news uh, that's not random, is it? Because mm, that's kind of. There's an element of it. Yeah, I suppose so, but it's actual things that are kind of predictable.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Okay, fine.
1: Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, above and beyond all of that.
0: Most exciting of all.
1: The reason we are sat around this table is the. We're not doing that again. Podstrons. Podstrons. Who've been in touch with yes. podcast at jerryanderson.com uh, to tell us their thoughts and ideas and reviews and what they think of life in general. Life in general? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and we put it all together in a little segment we like to call The Voice of the Podstrons. Yes, it's very spooky and
0: exciting. <laughs> yes, mm, yeah, can't wait. Yeah, yeah. there you go. So that sounds about right for Pod 274 of it the Gerry Anderson Podcast. Sounds like it's going to be jam-packed. It's a doozy. Oh, okay, well, let's hope that the Fab Fact is a jam-packed doozy. Or a don't-see, probably. Ooh, well, we'll find out very shortly in this week's Fab Facts. Now, time for this week's Fab Facts. As everyone knows, by now, yes. I have a book of Fab Facts. It's a rather large book. So large, in fact, oh. that you might want to use a, a synonym for a large book, but I can't yeah, think yeah. of one right now for some reason. Oh, uh, anyway, amazing. so in my large book of Fab Facts... Yeah. A volume? Um, I don't mean really like that either. Mm. Um, I've got hundreds, literally hundreds of Fab Facts. Must be. It's amazing. Yes. And every week we find a different one. Yes. Unless we mistakenly repeat it, which I'm worried <laughs> we might do at some point. Could uh, but let's hope that our memories prevent that from happening. But I'm going to flick through the book uh, with my thumb. Yes, there it is. Crucial flicking thumb. That looks a bit, yeah, a bit dry, actually. Uh, and uh, Richard's going to shout fab at a random point, We stops it flicking, and then I will read you out the fab fact from that page. Richard, are you ready with your fab? Oh, born ready. Excellent. My thumb and the book are prepared. Here we go. Fab! Oh! Hmm? Right, I slightly overflicked there, so I'm going to go back to where I actually stopped. Oh. Well, just... The couple of pages escaped me after you said fab. What would oh, okay. you want? Accuracy <laughs> no, or... No. That's not what I come to expect. Well, I'm here for accuracy. So. <laughs> All right, OK. Now, uh, you know how some things in life just don't make any sense, Richard. <laughs> I mean, look around <laughs> We're you. We're here, aren't we? <laughs> look around you. Yeah. Well, that's because life is complicated, full of incidents and events that just don't make sense and loose ends that are never, ever tied up. That's true. Well, that's life, isn't yeah, it? it is. But it doesn't make great television. I didn't say it did. Uh, no, I know, but someone might. Sure. Uh, someone out there, one of you Positron said that. Uh, so please <laughs> do spare a thought for the production team behind Space Precinct. Oh. <laughs> who is okay. Uh, Didn't had a good sense. feeling. <laughs> yeah. uh, the team behind Space Precinct who in 1995 sat down to watch an episode called Graveyard. Oh, right. Not heard of it? Well, that's uh, unsurprising because that's not how the episode was released several months later and with very good reason. Ooh, what, those, what reasons? What? I'm going to tell you. I mean, I know anyway, because I was there, but go on. OK, well, I'll tell you anyway. Sure. Uh, as the episode was approaching picture lock, meaning it was fully assembled but lacking sound and visual effects, it was noticed that Graveyard, as written by Michael Berlin and Eric Estrin hmm. and directed by Piers Haggard... Hmm didn't make much sense. (laughs) Oops. According to IMDb, the story concerns the arrival on Altor of a mysterious meteor fragment heralding the start of strange events at an apartment block where residents are being terrorised into relocation.
1: Great effect from Steve Begg, that asteroid arriving as well. The universe kind of cracks
0: apart to let it in. He's good with that, isn't he? Clever man. Uh, As Jane and Took look into the disappearance of an alien farmer, Brogan realises that something is going on that threatens all life on Altor. What could it be? An intriguing premise, I'm sure you'll all agree. Yes. The trouble was, there was no ending to the story. Ah! Oh. In the words of assistant editor Charlotte Serple... Oh, yes. ...a crisis meeting was held, <sighs> including executive story consultant Chris Hubble, the director, the editor, and the dad, of course, yes. to see what could be done. And what did they decide to do? Chuck it away. Start again. Well, But, yeah, the the very thing that we sometimes wish we could do in life, in fact, they wrote a sequel to tie up the loose ends. Mm. So the standalone episode Graveyard became... Ah, um, Death Watch. Death Watch Part Part 1. With a sequel very imaginatively titled Death Watch Part Part 2. Or Death Watch the conclusion, and according now, to the opening Death credits, Watch, the conclusion, <laughs> yes, yeah. which was filmed some weeks later, yeah. uh, written by Arthur Sellers. It sought to explain just what the mysterious meteor was, while having Brogan kidnapped uh, to help the even more mysterious MIA or the Military Intelligence Agency yes. uh, discover exactly what was going on. We'll leave it to you to judge if the episode succeeded in doing that, but in the light of the fact it was also charged with being the final episode of the series, it had a huge amount of work to do. Absolutely. Perhaps in light of all the mysteries that episode presented us with, it's appropriate that the IMDb listing for both episodes reads, it looks like we don't have any synopsis for this title yet. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's fair enough, isn't it? It really is. Ah, Yes, I do remember that well, of course. Uh, I mean, how does it get to the point of recording, uh, filming a script when it's got no ending and it doesn't make any sense? Quite how, bizarre, isn't how it? How did that, who how what?
1: Yes, I know. Uh, how did that ever get through any kind of stage at all? I mean, they just, did just no one say? Oh, excuse
0: me. I guess it's related to all the problems on the production, isn't it? Yes. You know, they were, there were money problems and stuff. Just got passed through and just get on with it. Get yeah, on with it. That, there must have been a, a, a sense of urgency going on. Yes. And we can't have any holdups. Yes. And then you end up having all mm. sorts of holdups and problems.
1: Uh, interesting, though. Uh, story consultant, I think, Chris Hubble. Chris Hubble,
0: yeah. Hubble? Hubble. Yeah. Hubble always yeah. Hubble I Telescope. I
1: interesting about the... Um yes, yeah, so because... On Earth, of course, Orin is considered
0: a, a, a Christian name, a first name. Is it? Well, Orin is, yes. I, did, I didn't know that. Yes, but no. in the in the show, Orin is is his surname. OK, and so they went first surname, first name to try and make it more alien.
1: Yeah, well, maybe, yes, yeah. And right. also, I think, had we gone to a second series, I think we would have seen more of the military intelligence agency as well. I think they would have been back to cause problems for, for Precinct 88. Yeah, but and what a shame that. we never saw it. What a shame we never saw it. Much like uh, Graveyard... Mm. Uh, that uh, didn't really have an ending. No. So Space Precinct doesn't really have an ending. No.
0: But maybe that's for the best. Maybe It, it leaves the future open, doesn't it? It does. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Okay. yeah. I like that, of course, because it was about Space Precinct, one of my favourite series ever. Of course you'd like that. Yeah. Well, there we go. <laughs> uh, if you can uh, think of any other Anderson sh- uh, episodes that have almost met a sticky end and oh. then been rescued by some writing yeah. at the last minute. I mean, you've got the 30-minute episode of Thunderbirds that ended up being yeah. extended to 50s. Absolutely. Amazing. Anything else you know of Posterons? Email us podcast at gerryanderson.com. But for now, that brings us to the end of this week's crisis Graveyard Fact. Fact! Graveyard! I know,
1: but I just love that phrase, crisis meeting. Charlotte and I have one of those every every morning over breakfast. I don't doubt it. <laughs> we don't even call it breakfast. We could just call it a crisis, crisis meeting. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, um, more fan facts next week, of course. Now, talking of Space Precinct, mm. shot in Pinewood at l stage, of course. Yes. Famously in 1994, 1995. Well, yes. a yes. mere... Yes. 18 years yes. previous to that, yes. uh, our forthcoming podcast guest, Anton mm. Phillips, was treading those very same corridors, uh, yes. sitting in those very same dressing rooms, Yeah. waiting to be called to set in those very same studios, mm. L&M block at Pinewood. That's amazing. I'm looking forward to talking Crazy. about that. Um, but before we get there, mm. I suppose it's time to... Um, Hand over to um, specky. your alter ego, old Specky.
0: Is that what you're calling him? I'm calling him that now. Yeah. Well, can I call him that? <laughs> Please do. Oh, old Specky. I'm not comfortable with that. Okay. Over to you, old Specky. Oh. Hello, underfans, fans. Jamie Anderson here once again, bringing you the freshest news from the vast universe of Jerry Anderson. Let's get straight into it. First on the docket, Breakaway Day. This coming Wednesday, the 13th of September, we will be commemorating that fateful day in 1999 when the moon was propelled out of Earth's orbit by a nuclear explosion. As TrueSpace 1999 aficionados, we've got some delightful offerings lined up for you. We're talking a unique comic collection, some intriguing new collectibles, and the kickoff of a Kickstarter campaign focused entirely on that iconic eagle. And for the cherry on top, Tune in at 7pm UK time for a live stream featuring some very, very special guests. Trust me, you will not want to miss it. Turning to YouTube, we've embarked on a new journey chronicling Dad's illustrious life and career starting right from the very beginning. Dive into these stories and immerse yourself in a rich tapestry of his legacy. There's a treasure trove of content waiting for you at youtube.com slash TV. Thunderbirds fans, here's something to brighten your day. As we ramp up towards Thunderbirds Day on the 30th of September, we're excited to unveil a limited edition set of Tracy Brothers portraits. And yes, the ever graceful Lady Penelope hasn't been left out. These will go exclusively on sale on Thunderbirds Day, so mark those calendars and grab that gear. And before I sign off, a quick nudge to all you Space1999 fans. We've proposed some rather thrilling t-shirt designs and we want to hear from you. Head over to our social media channels on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook, scroll back just a bit and cast your vote for your favorite. While we can't make any promises, your voice does matter. And who knows? Your pick might just become a reality. And there you have it. That's another week of exciting happenings in the worlds of Anderson. Keep the spirit of adventure alive. Stay curious. And as always, FAB. Until next week, I'll see you then. Back to Richard and Jamie in the studio. Isn't it amazing that every week... Yes.
1: Old Specky's got something to say. <laughs> don't call him that. Because there's people watching... I mean, I wear glasses myself when yes. I'm driving. I don't want to be called Old Specky. Yeah, but... I, I know it's you to yourself.
0: So yes, it that's all right, of, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know. It's sort of self-deprecating. I don't know about that. Okay, fine. Yeah. Sorry, sorry I retract my previous comments. Find something nicer to call him. <sighs> And take me the rest of the episode. I'll think of it by the end of this pod.
1: Now, you will never guess what our wonderful listeners and viewers that we call the Podstrons have been up to this week. I'm pretty
0: sure I will guess. Oh, go on. Well, good. They've been sending us in emails. Oh, you do. And commenting on our YouTube channel oh, and tweeting yeah. us and that's writing right. in the Podstron's Facebook group.
1: Yeah, all of that, yeah. Ooh, um, amazing, eh? Oh, well, that's rather taken the wind out of my sails. I mean, do you want to pretend I didn't know? Yeah, should we try it again? Yeah, OK. You'll mm. never guess what the Podstrons have been up to. Oh, emailing no, I, us. Oh, what? Podcast.jerryanderson.com. Really? Gosh. And to prove it. Yeah. Let's have a listen to the voice
2: of the you-know-whats. <sighs> Ooh. This is the voice of the Podstorons.
1: Yes, it's the voice of the Podstrons. They've been emailing us at podcast.gerryanderson.com with their thoughts, comments, reviews, all kinds of stuff, really. Do you want to hear some emails? I'd love to, yes, please. When International Rescue was first formed, says Pen Quiller, Thunderbird 3 was designed to need a crew of two. So, mm-hmm. a two-seater sofa was provided to convey the astronauts from the lounge to Thunderbird 3's launch bay. Mm-hmm. Right, you with me? You I with am. Yeah. However, occasionally a third person would come along which made the sofa too crowded, so it was exchanged for a three-seater. Uh-huh. Uh, you may have noticed in Sun Sunprobe that Alan still doesn't like sitting near the edge as the sofa descends, so swaps seats with Scott, but swaps back again when the sofa settled into its trolley to be conveyed to Thunderbird 3's silo. Notice that i hadn't noticed that but i'm glad well, you pointed it out the moxie was being built in slough around the same time as the sterling road industrial unit which jeff used as a furniture store was being demolished so the hotel was able to pick up some furniture at a bargain price to furnish the rooms
0: and I that see. explains how we have jeff traces
1: so far in our podcast
0: studio and that finally makes sense thank goodness Thank goodness. It was really worrying me, that whole thing. And you can see it and Chris Dale sitting upon it a little later on in the randomiser. Mm.
1: Uh, PS, uh, says Penn, I found the ideal compromise for my podcast enjoyment. Oh, OK. Uh, for the last couple of years, I've listened to the podcast on Mondays while doing my housework and it always makes the dusting, etc.
0: less boring. Well, that's what we're here for, to make yeah. <laughs> life slightly less boring.
1: Now, says Penn, I clean and polish along to the first hour while listening to Jamie, Richard, and your guests on my phone, then put the laptop on so I can watch the randomizer. Episode along with Chris ah, while I do my ironing. Yes, nice, perfect, isn't it? Perfect. Uh, so thanks, gents, for helping me get my household chores done. Great pleasure. Very Thing is, though, doing your ironing throughout the randomizer. What if it's like just a ten-minute? You know, what if it's a twelve-minute? Um, Four Feather Falls. Well, not
0: much ra- uh, randomizer ironing is going to be getting done, is <laughs> that's it? That's right.
1: Yeah. But if you've got a Space Nineteen Ninety Nine or something, then yeah, you probably get a whole fortnight's worth. Get through the backlog. Do Absolutely. the neighbours as well. <laughs> yeah, good yeah.
0: idea. Yeah. Thanks, Pen, for that. Yeah. Nice to uh, know that you're keeping up with the chores. I've got a short one. I had heard. Yeah. Do you mind if I share it? Now? Yes. Go on then. It's from John Dredge of West Hampsteadshire. Oh yeah.
3: Okay.
0: Yeah. yeah. He says, Hello folks of Anderson World. Or oh, hi. Do you have any idea what Jerry thought of the parodies of his work, such as Super Thunder Sting Car from Peter Cook and Dudley Moore? Ah. Best wishes, John. Interesting. Featured on Nigel Planner's interview just a few few weeks ago. Can't escape it, can no, you? It always right. gets mentioned. Ah, yeah. What did he think? Well, um, I think he was always slightly upset when people mocked the shows. Oh. However, that did mean some kind of public awareness and level of, of reach. Yep. So I think he took the rough with the smooth yeah. and smiled sweetly and politely and then in the back of his mind thought, Curses. you sods. Yeah. yeah, shame, isn't it?
1: Mm. Yeah, but that's understandable, I suppose, to see you. Well, it wasn't mocked as such. I don't know. A little bit. mm, mm. Uh, Lynn Beresford says, Hi, Richard, Jamie and Chris. The husband and myself find we now alternate watching and listening to the podcast. Now we've got to see your fabulous faces instead of just hearing your voices. Mm. Uh, It's such a joy to see how much you actually enjoy what you do. It's called acting. Well... <laughs> Speak and it, it comes across in spades when you watch it on YouTube, with the banter, laughter, and the teamwork and enthusiasm for everything. Jerry Anderson, yes. Uh, the more recent podcasts with Lee were amazing and inspiring to all future budding artists. And I think even my torchy girl can follow a few tips and advice from a seasoned genius like him as she designs her own anime characters.
4: Ah, oh, lovely. Sure
1: what um, Lee would feel about being described as seasoned? Uh, he'd accept it. OK. Uh, the legacy can only go forward with the fans, cooperation and enthusiasm in spreading the word and helping others to see how it is relevant today. I think the podcast will be pivotal in achieving this, continuing growth and interest and branching out in unexpected ways. We would like to think so. Here's to many, 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 many more podcasts and randomisers in the future from Lynn Beresford.
0: Well, there's no sign of stopping us right now, Lynn, so thanks. Well, you say that.
1: We are about halfway through the randomisers, aren't we? So there is a sign of stopping us. Oh, yeah. In five years. Yeah.
0: It'll yeah. be fine. Yeah. Uh, I've got one. Oh, good. From Willow. Hello, Willow. Hello, Willow. Yeah. Willow says, Hello, awesome podcast hosty people. No, oh, that's us. Yeah, that is us. Cool. Uh, I just thought I'd send a quick message to say how much I'm enjoying being able to watch the podcast as well as hear it. I don't always get time to watch, but when I do, it's so fun. Oh, that's nice, isn't it? Yeah. I've loved the guests you've had, but in response to the lovely Lee Sullivan being on and answering my question. Oh, yes i unfortunately have had some bad news oh no my tattoo artist has retired (laughs) so one of you is going to have to break the news to lee that he's going to have to learn to tattoo sharpish i mean i wouldn't because i need my john tattoo no 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 i wouldn't trust lee with a sharp pin i wouldn't trust Lee with many things to be honest <laughs> um, talking of John are we still sending in pictures of our Andershelves? shelves yes we are mm. uh, because I just had to rearrange mine and banish some of the collection to the loft because John needed more space gosh no pun intended space oh, it? Of course, yes. uh, apparently two shelves all to himself was simply not enough and he needed three mm. and then there's a, a sort of mm, emoji mm. 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 Um, okay does anyone else have a particular Anderson character that they love and adore that much I want to see pics. Post a picture of your collection in the Potter's Facebook group and tag me so I don't miss them. There you go. You heard Willow. Lovely. Anyway, that's my update. Uh, as with much of my life, it's John-centric. I'd apologise, uh, but I wouldn't be me if no. it wasn't John-centric. No, no that's true. Yeah. Keep up the good work, chaps. Lots of love from Willow. Oh, thanks, Willow. Thanks, Willow. Lovely. Uh,
1: interesting, she's saying she has to jettison something to make room for her. Mm. But um, I'd like to know if you had to jettison something to make room for something else. Yeah. What would go from your Jerry Anderson collection? Um, what would you look at and go, "Yeah, I'll put that in the loft." I mean,
0: what would it be? How do you feel about being in the loft for a bit? That, what? Right?
1: You... But that orange doll I gave you. <laughs> you mean it's? <laughs> no, no, I don't have a, a loft. So. No, I know. <laughs> um, uh, Steve says three questions you can spread out over your podcasts or print out and put on the wall as decoration. I'm going to ask them all now. Oh, With okay. your new studios on the top floor of the moxie, do you take the lift or slog it up the stairs? Asking for a friend. We take the lift. We do. It's very exciting. What's the physically scariest thing you've done that you can legally tell us about? Oh.
0: oh. Scariest thing. I think it's when I went to the York maze maze mm-hmm. in 2015 yep. and I went up in that helicopter and oh, they'd yeah. taken the doors off. Oh, yeah. So the, 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 the BBC News guy could film right. out. And, I, and I would just I all I had was the, <clears throat> the hand strap wrapped around my wrist. Yes. And sort of bracing myself in the seat. And it was really scary as he was sort of tipping at 45 degrees to get the shot of the maze. I think the scariest thing I've ever
1: done was that morning I went to York
0: and I took the doors off a helicopter (laughs) and I
1: just (laughs) loosened the hand straps. I was terrified I was going to get caught.
0: <laughs> Suddenly it <all> makes sense. <laughs>
1: Lastly, says Steve, would you rather be able to play an instrument, dance like nobody's watching, or paint or draw like Lee Sullivan? I'd love to draw like Lee Sullivan. Yeah. I think That'd me too. Great. Absolutely. Steve. Then I
0: wouldn't have to pay so much for Lee Sullivan prints. No, just do it myself. No. Well, Maybe, uh, yeah. Start practicing. Because oh, well. he says it's practice. That's what they say. Yes, yeah. exactly. Makes yeah. perfect. 10,000 hours. Off you go.
1: Yeah. Uh talking of 10,000 hours, uh it seems like the Podstron send us 10,000 emails. Okay. I thought um, we, we really complained about my hosting. We, no, we must be getting close, actually. Over 274 podcasts. How many emails we've read out? Probably not
0: 10,000. No.
1: Maybe 1,000. Probably
0: five a podcast, so maybe a 1,000, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Anyway,
1: you can add to the number by emailing us at jerryanson.com. And we can add to the number by reading it. There you go. It's all about adding to the numbers, isn't it? Uh, Excellent. Uh, There we go. Uh,
0: Also, don't forget, you can, you know, subscribe and rate and review and copy the link and post it. I mean, make it sound more exciting than that. They know the the drill. You can do some stuff if you want. Nobody cares. That's No, but it's good. It's very good. Anyway, Uh, I think it's time I stopped talking and you talk to somebody else.
1: Oh, that'll be fun. Is that Um, all right? Yes, please. Off you go, then.
0: Bye. This week's guest has come hot
1: foot from Moonbase Alpha via General Hospital and The Saint. His theatre work includes forming the Carib Theatre Company, specialising in theatre and education and telling stories from a black perspective. His work as an actor, director and producer led him to be awarded the 2015 Edric Connors Trailblazer Award. But to help us celebrate breakaway day, he's here to tell us more about Life as Space, 1999's Dr Bob Mathias and beyond. It's Anton Phillips! Anton, how lovely to see you around the table for well, the Jerry
4: Anderson Podcast. Thanks thanks for asking me. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. Wonderful. Uh,
1: welcome yeah. to Slough.
4: <laughs> That's the first time I've heard that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Not a million miles away from Pinewood Studios. No, it isn't, darling. Where you spent yeah. your year on Space 1999 and beyond. Um, We've had lots of illustrious guests on the mm. podcast over the last five years, from John Coleshaw to Chris Packham to Samira Ahmed, who I think you've also yes. spoken to. Uh, but it's always exciting to have someone on the show who was there mm. uh, during the filming of one of Jerry's yes. series. Uh, now, you've come a long way to get here, and I don't just mean the trouble that you have with the tubes this morning.
4: <laughs> yes. Um, I got to my train station and they railings were across the front of it oh, and yes. rail replacement bus service was a, which then throws you into London traffic for a start. Yeah, yes. That's having had to wait 10-15 minutes for the bus to arrive. And
1: <laughs> well thank you for persevering and so on. Yeah. You made it but like I say a journey it's been from your childhood in Jamaica mm. via high school in Washington DC right, yes, and then to the UK so looking back does it ever seem like a, an unlikely journey?
4: Well, it really is very weird because when you, when you grow up in Jamaica, especially if you're sort of a middle-class person in Jamaica, you're expected to go into one of the professions. Uh-huh. You know, you're expected to become a doctor or a lawyer or an accountant or, or into the civil service. Yeah. Uh, but when I said, oh, I, I, want to go into the, I want to be an actor, people said, ah, oh, that's, that's nice, but what do you really want to do? <laughs> <laughs> are they still saying that now? I think they probably are still <laughs> saying that now. Um, except I think some of us who have been uh, into the profession and have done reasonably well and are kind of role models back in Jamaica... Yeah. It, has opened up the door to the possibilities that other people are saying, oh, well, you know. Wonderful. It's not, it's, it's not as closed as I thought it was, or people lead me to believe. Absolutely. Mm-hmm.
1: But so who opened the door for you? Who, who are your role models, or well, didn't you have them?
4: Well, I didn't, I didn't really have any. Um, I mean, I left Jamaica and went to school in America. I went to high school in D.C., as you said, uh, and then went to the RCA radio school in New York ah. and did a broadcasting course. I went back to Jamaica and did a bit of broadcasting there and some radio plays and so on. but i'd always I'd always belonged to some kind of amateur theater group. right. So yeah, I, in fact, I think I actually formed a group in ah. Jamaica of my own right and uh, and then decided that really none of my ambitions, whatever they were, were going to be fulfilled in Jamaica. So I went back to America. Uh-huh. Uh, unfortunately, the Vietnam War was raging at the time right. and the American government were gently recruiting right. yes. <laughs> lots of young men of my age. I, and I thought, well, you know what, I have nothing against the Vietnamese, <laughs> sure. uh, so I'm leaving. Right. So I left and came to the UK, to Britain. Uh, now,
1: what was your ambition or what were, what were your perhaps your parents' ambitions for you at that early stage well, in that, Jamaica?
4: At that point, they didn't really care as long as I did something. Sure. Because I seemed to be quite aimless at the time and so on. <laughs> uh uh So, you know, they, they'd be quite happy for me to go to university and study anything as long as I did something. Yeah, And in fact, it's while I was here, because I came over here with a idea that I just tore around Europe for a while Uh but I came to England and England struck me as being so different to the American experience that I had and and obviously the Jamaican experience right that it really engaged my interest quite a lot we're talking about the days when the Beatles and the Stones were and that whole change I mean I don't know if people generations after that Realize what a sea change really? went through Britain at that time, and it was tangible, was it? You could oh, sense absolutely, it. Absolutely, yes. So yeah, you and people were making a, a particular effort just to break with the traditional mm. past. Mm. Yeah, that's when the teenager emerged in Britain. Mm-hmm. Before that, they were just young people. They weren't called teenagers. Sure. this is a strange idea which came over from America. <laughs> yeah. and this this sense of freedom kind of broke loose. So. I, mean, I arrived and there were young men walking down the street wearing bright red military tunics from the nineteenth century, yeah. 20, you know, uh, with very long hair and yeah. dark, yeah, and, and long hair. Uh, yeah. in America, <laughs> if you didn't have a crew cut, you're considered a, a deviant. Absolutely, <laughs> yes, quite right. Yeah,
1: interesting. I mean, uh, it's, it, and also, I suppose you know, from our point of view. Also pushing the boundaries at the time was was Jerry Anderson, who was yeah uh, forging ahead with his sort of super process. That's the, right. The puppets That's and stuff. Right. Now we're going to play a very quick game with you, Anton, <laughs> okay. that we play with all our guests. We're going to show you some very quick clips from the opening titles of every one of Jerry's series, uh-huh. and we want to see just how many you can oh, spot. Wow. Okay, you ready <laughs> okay, for this? Yes. Okay, let's go. So,
4: early days to begin with. Uh, this looks like, is this um, st- Stingray as well? Ooh, I was going close. to say Oh, yeah, yeah um, This is I can't remember the names, <laughs> I recognise them this, <laughs> I'm not doing really well here. It's alright, it's difficult to keep <laughs> up Stand by for action.
1: Now action. you recognise that
4: one? <laughs> well, I thought we were just doing the first five Thunderbirds, yes, yes um, That's it is that Stingray, I guess, is it? Mm, Captain Scarlet. Oh, I forgot about him <laughs> That's all right. And this is... Um, I don't know oh, that
1: one. Yeah, that's a tricky one. Now we're moving into live action.
4: Um, these are really quick. <laughs> very quick. That one I recognise. Of course you do. I'll give you that one. <laughs> an and this is... Um, Thunderbirds? Oh,
1: no, we've had Thunderbirds no. already.
4: Oh, you're not doubling them up. <laughs> wow. Almost there. Into the 90s now.
1: Very, very quick. Last couple.
4: right cross the nope. No. <laughs> okay, there we go. Well, not very good. Very difficult. Very very, very difficult. Good. Just a it's, it's amazing because <laughs> some of those go back quite a few years. And sure, yeah, and even if you recognise it, you know, what was the title of that again? Yes, um, absolutely. And then there's covered. some sort of similarities with some of the the animation ones. Yeah, there, as yeah. Well.
1: It's all buried away in there, but sort of a jumble, mm, isn't it? That's yes, the thing.
4: and they fly by pretty quickly They've, uh, I know <laughs> we're not very fair I know I know it's just a bit of fun it's nothing serious at all uh, But at wh- the end of your series you should see who's who the winner is who well, spotted the most of them in the given time funny you should say that funny okay <laughs> <laughs> so we have two for you Anton. there
1: you are in your uh, Thunderbirds okay. uh, outfit <laughs> so they're all <laughs> ranged across the front of the table here I think the winner I think the winner at the moment is uh, Lee Sullivan who's a comics illustrator who got 18 18 yeah.
4: wow wow That's uh, that's impressive. It's very impressive. (laughs) But there we are. Not
1: bad at all. Not bad at all. It's
4: better than one and zero. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And of course, you were always
1: bound to get one, weren't you?
4: Yes. Uh, So,
1: I mean, were you watching television as a young child? Did you have a TV in the family? There wasn't television in in Jamaica, right? When did it come to Jamaica?
4: Oh, um, well, I was in America when I came to Jamaica. I am pretty sure. No, the first television I saw was when I arrived in Miami. Yeah, I took a plane from Jamaica to Miami as a 13 year old i think yeah on your own on my own yes because my my parents had by then gone to um to the states i see so i was going up to join them and uh, stopped off in miami and in the airport there's a television and it was showing a roy rogers (laughs) uh, great not a film because it was a television series i was an episode of that and that was the first television I ever saw.
1: And it obviously left a mark. You yes. can remember that. Yeah, wow.
4: <laughs> well, so, you've been reading about television and you've seen sure. it in films and everything else. Yeah. It's, you know, like roller coasters. I never saw a roller coaster until I went to America. Um, <laughs> and then these, you know. Yeah.
1: Uh, I remember having my first avocado when I was 24, <laughs> right. things like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, no television, uh, almost impossible to believe for a lot of our viewers, I'm mm-hmm. sure, and listeners. Yeah. Uh, so, what did you spend your time doing
4: as a young well, child? Well, radio was a big uh, part of it, I'm and, and right. World Service, uh, so BBC World Service was... Because they broadcast um, uh, what the, that famous detective show, the name escapes me at the moment, uh-huh. um, Thing uh, uh, yes. I think there was a radio broadcast okay. um, and various other drama productions, right. and then and, and the news and yeah. different kind of, uh, you know, calling calling the Caribbean or calling the West Indies. I yeah, some see special shows direct. Yeah. So and and then there's local radio as well. Uh-huh. So radio was that, but otherwise you're outside. Yeah. You know, making course. your own entertainment, and of course, yeah. meeting friends and going off and yeah. you know, Doing yeah. things
1: Great uh, Now it's time to have a look at your uh, your, your first Anderson memory uh, Which of course is something very personal to you okay. uh, So we'll have a look at this And have a chat about it afterwards Okay? <laughs> right. I can make it Good, right, Captain Check out the base
2: This is main mission Lost sections report Security section We have audio contact Video systems gone
4: Service section Lost all power Operating on emergency systems. Yeah, yeah. Medical section pool. Explosive decompression in two compartments. Areas sealed off. No leaks. Sufficiently operational to accept casualties.
1: <laughs> there we go. So, uh,
2: Oh,
4: he was so young.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so we're fast-forwarding
1: a little bit, I know, mm. to your your first day, I think, on Space 1999. Yes, Is yes. that right, that scene? And I
4: just listened to that line and I thought, God, I, I said that? <laughs> and sounded as if I knew what I was talking about, what's more?
1: <laughs> how does it feel watching yourself on it's screen? Really weird, because,
4: you know, how many years am I looking back? Yeah, here? 40 um, years or so, yeah. isn't it?
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. And how did that... Come to you, I guess you auditioned for it, your
4: agent, put you up for it? Oh, um, no. Uh, I, in those days, uh, theatre, there's a kind of explosion in fringe theatre. Yeah. So you could go to any pub almost or any telephone box or almost anything and see a play. And I was in a play at the Kingshead Theatre at lunchtime, yeah. a lunchtime play. Yeah. And uh, I was in there with another actor who was one of the blue-eyed boys of the BBC. Mm. Uh, had been you know, in some major uh, series and so on, who was also a friend of mine, actually. And Michael Barnes, a casting director from space, yes, came to see him. Uh-huh. And, and there we were in this really weird play. Nobody knew what the play was about. Uh, including the director, or if the director knew what it was about, he wasn't telling us. Uh, but yeah, you know, we just got on and did it, and had a great time. And and uh, and afterwards, Michael Barnes came up to me and said, introduced himself, and said, you know, uh, he'd love me to come and meet Sylvia Anderson at, right. uh, at Pinewood Studios for right. this series they're doing. And I thought, sure, yeah, <laughs> yeah, sounds okay. I'll do that. Too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think either the next day or the day after. I made my way to Pinewood Studios, you know, he met him, he introduced me to Sylvia, yeah. you know, who greeted me very warmly. And uh-huh. yeah, yeah. As as was always the case with her. Yeah. You know, she was just such a, a terrific person to yeah. have in that on that set, on that um, sound studio. Yeah. And uh you know, they said, okay, you know, come in uh, you know they would want me to do it I uh, so I had a costume fitting and so right. on and then subsequently went in and did that that first episode there now what was that
1: it sounds like such a big step for um an actor to go from appearing at the King's Head perfectly decent yeah, yeah, venue yeah, yeah. nothing wrong with that at all to be cast in a uh, 24 episodes I think you did in that first year well did in, it
4: feel like a big deal well at the at, at the beginning I was just cast to do the one ah just that one right uh, and then uh, the director's Lee Katzen. Uh-huh. Uh, the next day, apparently, they went, saw the rushes like what they saw, and and then invited me to do the rest. I see. Uh, and it was also, I mean, <laughs> funny, because for that shot, for that scene, yeah. as we were standing by before he shouted action, I s- started doing some heavy breathing uh-huh. as if, you know, there's all hell breaking around around, and yes. everything else. So I started standing up there and the wings. <laughs> Building a and I saw him looking at <laughs> thinking, Who have we got here?
1: <laughs> <laughs> now now that if you don't mind me saying that's very much a theatre actor's response, isn't it? Quite quite possible. Did you take those skills purposefully into your TV acting or did it feel well,
4: like a different beast entirely? Well, you know, the funny thing is when you go to drama school in Britain, they teach you to act in theatre. Certainly at that time. Yeah. They teach you certainly not the one I went to, nothing at all about Film or television or studio, so it was a brand new thing. I mean, the very first telly I ever did, uh, I pitched up on the set, having got the part, and uh, knew my lines and everything, and uh, and this is on the deck of a ship, yes, uh, warship. Uh And the director said, OK, uh, let's go for that first shot. There's your mark. And I was going, what? <laughs> Aren't we going to talk about character, uh-huh. backstory? You know, what's my relationship with you know, yeah. the theatrical approach? And yeah. oh, No, 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 we, we, we'll do a rehearsal. I thought, oh, we'll rehearse for the camera. <laughs> yes, a rehearsal for
1: the camera. Now, right. I think that would surprise a lot of people watching. That mm. In the world of TV, you get very little rehearsal at all. You might get a chat with the director if you're lucky. Mm. But you're really expected to turn up Say the lines.
4: Yeah, with the character in, in your pocket, and yeah. you know, and, and move on. Uh, yeah, yeah and, and certainly in terms of asking the uh, the director about character motivation and so on, he isn't interested. He just wants to know, you know is the shot set up that's right? It. And you know, yeah. Uh, yeah, So that's so. Uh, the answer to the question is, um, it was a big learning experience. I'd never been because even that television. Which might have been the one and only one I did before Space Nineteen Ninety Nine. Uh-huh. Uh, I'd never been in a t- in a on a soundstage. Sure. So I didn't. Uh, I didn't know my way around. And it. And Pinewood of all places. And Pinewood. Well, I mean, what did that mean to
1: you? Were you familiar with its uh, history and? Oh, of course. Yes. Aura. Yes. I mean, yeah.
4: I'd seen all those. Because uh, the Hammer films were shot there, weren't they? Uh, I think they were at Bray, I think. Were they at Bray? Yes. Uh, but but um, so like the
1: Bond movies and carry-on films, of course. Yes.
4: Uh, yeah, and, and the great thing, of course, is you know hanging around those uh, Pinewood, you see you know, the Michael Keynes and the yeah. Sydney Potiers coming yeah. in and people like this. And you're like, extraordinary. Wow. wow. But you, you don't want to grow up to them because now you're cool, right? I'm, I, <laughs> I'm not going to So go trying
1: really. try to take it in your stride. Yes. Yeah. So can you remember that your actual first Moment on set. Uh, did you meet on that first day the likes of Martin Landau, Barbara Bain, or was um, it just the people you were involved yes, with? Yes, in no, the I, I,
4: because you know your call is you know, seven fifteen in the morning or yeah. something like that, and you go into makeup and costumes and everything else, and then you might be needed until ten o'clock. Yeah. So you use the chance to go on the set, you know, bef- you know, see meet people, and and you know you are introduced around as well. And it might even have been Sylvia taking me around. Yeah, yeah. Saying, you know, this is Martin and so on. I remember when Martin heard my character name, he was really quite startled. He said, what are you called? I said, "Um, Bob Matthias. He said, no, no, we can't have a character called Bob Matthias because there's an Olympian, a famous Olympian named Bob Matthias. Really? Ah. And uh, he said, no, you know, that name's, you know, from this and he left the stage and oh. obviously went and spoke with, uh, I don't know, Jerry or yeah. somebody uh, to see if they could get a name change. But they didn't tell. No, uh, plainly <laughs> so or not. Was, yeah. yes. Now, coming from, a, a I suppose, a theatre
1: background to begin with, I know you're subsequently very experienced in TV as well, but theatre is generally considered to be a more a company feel. Did you feel that on set as well for well, space? this
4: or? on this set, certainly you yeah. did. Even though, I mean, in, in theatre you tend to... Fairte is also not that company you that you, but it's a much smaller mm. geographical area that mm-hmm. you usually cover. Of mm-hmm. course, the sound stage at Pinewood Studio, you, you could yeah. park Concorde in it. Yes. Know, you, you know, or a yeah. 747 or something. Yes. It's huge it and big sets and different, si- and, and then sometimes two stages, two sound stages yeah, yeah. in operation. Yeah. Uh, you know, with the, then the administrative offices and changing rooms and wardrobes and so on in the front. So yeah um, that closeness physically doesn't happen, yeah, but somehow the whole that whole group of people seem to coalesce really quite well, mm. uh yeah, and everyone you know was I've been on sets where uh you know you walk on, and the regulars you're there as a guest artist, and the regulars they don't even look in your direction, mm. much less come over and say "Hi, welcome, mm-hmm. and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, which has really shocked me at times. Mm. I mean, that doesn't always happen, but it—it it certainly does happen. Where yeah. you know you walk and no one takes yeah. a slight bit of interest in.
1: You. Yeah, particularly if they know you're a day player. You're only there right. for one scene. Yeah,
4: yeah. Uh, yeah. Whereas I don't think that was ever the case mm. on Space nineteen ninety nine. Certainly not in the for year one, anyway. Yeah. Great. Uh, now, we have uh, given the opportunity to our viewers and listeners to
1: send in some questions uh-huh. for you, Anton, which are placed in this rather fetching Space 1999 <laughs> yes. lunchbox, of course, in your really? honour. Uh, so yeah. I wonder if you could just reach in there and uh, just take a question. this one.
4: And let's see what they've had to say. This is from Tabitha Hoop. Mm-hmm. Why do you believe shows like Space Nineteen Ninety Nine have such longevity, and still manage to draw in younger fans? Yeah. I haven't the faintest idea. Right, <laughs> because they do, you know. Do you
1: it's, see that yourself? I know you go to conventions.
4: Yes, often. Yes, I've you been see to younger? conventions, and the the most amazing thing to me about it is that there are people there who weren't even born when Space Nineteen Ninety Nine was made. Yeah, and they're there, and they're in costume. Yeah. and they're really enthusiastic fans. Yeah. Um... And, uh, you know, people will come up to me and say, gosh, you know, if it wasn't for Space 1999, I wouldn't have done a science degree yeah. or I wouldn't have gone into medicine or some yeah. things like that. People do say that. And, uh, and you know, looking back at the shows, I think, well, let's have a look back. And and even then I find it difficult to s- connect this show, which was made however many years ago, yeah. with today. Right, um, Really. Yeah, which would encourage them, because the, the making of science fiction these days, sci-fi films, uh, has, has changed in tone yeah. so much. Yeah. Uh, if you take a film like Aliens, for yeah. instance, um, you know, the ship, it's, you know, it's creaky, the guys are wearing sweaty work clothes, they're arguing, you know, it's a working environment. Yeah, it's not pristine and clean. Yes. And everything else like space is. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I have, so that shift in in presentation and production values and so on, I would have thought it would make Space 1999 look a little bit dated. No, well, you see,
1: that's interesting because I, I grew up watching Space 1999, mm. which is why it's such a thrill to have you here today. Uh, to me, it looked like the future. Ah. All these grimier, grittier mm. sci-fi films that we watched, it looked like... Today, yeah. but a few years hence, right. Space nineteen ninety nine to me looked like the future: uh-huh. clean, okay. white, bright, and with that a kind of sense of optimism. Although mm. you know the, the Alphans went through some terrible things, mm. uh, just that idea of progression and hopefulness right. seemed okay. to me to be symbolised by the design, the brightness. Uh, that's what attracted yeah. and, me.
4: And yes, and I suppose also the there's a kind of step away from the reality of. Our yes. current situation exactly. here as well, which is you yes. know, at the moment so depressing anyway. Quite right, yes. Uh, you know, you step into that and there's yeah. a world which is functioning. I mean, yeah. they've got their problems <laughs> and so on. Yeah, but everything works. works. But they And they <laughs> make it work. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So maybe that's it. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, take another question. <laughs> another Let's question. See, uh, yeah.
1: Who else has got in touch? That's it. Uh, this
4: yeah. is from... Alex Pass. Oh, yes. Space 1999 has been enjoying recent repeat broadcasts in the UK. Have you been tempted to take a look? Well, the recent ones have been mainly Series 2, I think. Right. Uh, and, yes, I, I've watched one or two of them, not all of them, by any yeah. means. Um, and fortunately, every time I've dipped into it, it's an episode which I'd never seen before. Ah, oh, okay. <laughs> so yes. the last one I, might even have been last week. Maybe knowing that I was coming here, I yeah. thought, oh, there, there it is. Let me have a look. Ah. Um, and how does it strike you? <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> yes.
3: we're entering
4: into Series 1 stroke Series 2 uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. competition. Um, I'm not impressed with Series 2, to be perfectly honest with right. you. I think the scale of the whole thing was reduced so much. Yeah. Uh, it lost that sense of space and being on the moon and you know um you're in this little closet main mission control yes and then the monster which appeared in this thing uh, so no there are two that i no there are two monsters which appeared in it Uh there are the aliens which are messing things up on alpha and then um what's her name who changes Maya? Maya, Catherine Schell. Yeah, yes, yes. Uh, she changes into another monster yes, to counter yes. them, right. and So on. Yeah, a
1: definite shift in tone for sure. <sighs>
4: yeah, shift in tone. But they were such rubbish monsters. I, mean, <laughs> <laughs> I suppose. Yeah, in the days when we didn't have CG, yeah, and all of that. Yeah. Uh, Where you can do such amazing things with monsters now and so on. Now, you know, those monsters, you know, some of them looked like um, cardboard boxes which had lots of... (laughs) Pretty much were, I should imagine. Bits of blankets stuck to them (laughs) hanging down. Cheap, though, you see, cheap. (laughs) Uh, Take one last question, Anton, if you would. But that's the interesting thing, because there wasn't anything about Series 1 which looked cheap. No, you're absolutely right. Yeah, that's interesting. And here we have a question from Ian Stevens. Are you aware that the shows are still popular today, and does that surprise you? On a personal note, Space nineteen ninety nine and UFO have been so helpful, getting me through the personal issues I've had by giving me much-needed break from reality. Ah, well, that sort of yeah. hinges on what we're speaking. That's right. Yeah, you know, what we the conversation we just had. Yeah. Um, What's it like to be
1: part of something that, that has a real legacy, that's sort of beyond your control? I mean, yes. it's going to outlive you,
4: isn't it? It is, yes, yes. <laughs> How does that yeah, feel? I feel? It's already has <laughs> done. Uh, well, it's, it's, it's one of the interesting things is when, when I meet people and eventually it comes out, because I don't meet people and say, oh, I was in Space 19, <laughs> yeah, sure. but it might come out at some stage. Yeah. And, and they sort of look at me in shock to think, Wow, you know, you know, probably they're thinking, oh, I thought all you guys were dead. Uh, <laughs> but uh, just recent, actually, recently I met up with Clifton. Yes. Clifton Jones. Yeah. And and he said, look, uh, you know, I, I know that this woman who um, would love to meet you, uh, you know, is it all right if I tell her to come along to the pub that we meet up and have a drink And I said, yes, sure. So... She came along, and this was a woman in her forties, I guess, uh-huh. and she was so pleased to meet me. This was a, a black woman, yeah, and she said, you know, that you and Clifton, when she was growing up, were the only things that they had to watch on television, uh, which promoted a positive image of black people. Mm-hmm. You know, we weren't playing janitors or mm-hmm. pimps or gangsters or anything like that. You know there was this computer expert, yeah. and there was a doctor, and. Yeah, you know, they used to run downstairs to watch yeah. when when we were on, yeah. Uh, yeah, and oh. and she just really wanted to meet me and thank me amazing for that experience of her youth. Amazing, uh, and I know
1: that's an area you went on to explore in your theatre work, which we'll talk later about bringing black stories to the screen oh, and, to, and to the stage yeah, yeah, as well. Yeah. Right, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but before we get there, I'm going to take you right back to the beginning. I think this is from 1973. You've oh. mentioned it already. It's an episode of Warship <laughs> uh, in mm. which you featured, and the episode title is Sub Smash. Have a look at this. She's only up there, about 100
0: yards away. How long did it take about 100 yards? Did you watch the
4: Olympics, did you? 9.25 seconds. Oh, any marvellous familiarisation trick. Where's your sense of humour, Polly? It's now we need it. Bloody cold.
0: a few minutes ago you were too bloody hot. I'll
2: put that on. There's dozens out there. You could put one on.
0: We could be out of here on the in five minutes. You told us to wait. Yeah, and what about him? Do we leave him behind? And do you know how to use that thing, because I don't yeah, know what it. it's all in here. Yeah, and something goes wrong. We flood this compartment. They'll never get up here. Yeah, well, the way the water came here, there's a whole two yards wide, and here I ain't gonna patch that with a metal plate. Oh, the water would have come in quicker. Now, listen, I know the score. There could be every shit in a med the the well but I can't do nothing. No, he knows that, but he's pig pig it. He'll leave it to the last minute, and then we'll all get up in an orderly manner.
1: a very committed and focused performance i think well, uh, i'd like to think all my performances <laughs> are uh, like that. and indeed they are <laughs> yes. uh,
4: but this was your first tv that was my very first tv uh, done on location as i said uh-huh. which was uh, you know the royal navy had put one of their frigates at our disposal yeah and so it was filmed down in portsmouth in the, nav- in the naval yard in Portsmouth, and then we went sailing around the, the harbour. In fact, for that episode, the weather was so bad because normally we'd have gone out to sea, yes. uh, as I understand it. But the weather was so bad, we could only sail around in the harbour. <laughs> right. For this. Wow. And uh, we were supposed to be in Gibraltar, I think. Right. So, you know, sleeves rolled up, and <laughs> yes. except it's January in Portsmouth, <laughs> in bad weather. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> there are wow. times when I mean, all that was filmed in studio. I mean, that was filmed yeah. in a in a tank. Yeah. in Ealing. Right. A,
1: a nice tight little scene. I mean, in a way, very theatrical. It's a nice little yeah. two-hander, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. <laughs> well,
4: the, the the setup is that we're cut off from the rest of the sub. Yes. And this uh, other sailor, he wants to use the escape pod. Yeah. Which, he, but has no idea how to use it. Yeah. And I'm following orders. They say, yeah, stay where you are, stay calm. Yeah. Help is on its way. So it's a conflict between the, so that yeah, once we're in the sub, we're cut off. Yeah. In because the sub hits an old World War II mine right. and is disabled. Right. And and so the uh for that in fact is it's a memorable uh, scene because as I said, we're in a tank in Ealing, dressed up to look like the inside of a submarine. And standing up there is a guy with a huge fire hose (laughs) blasting us with water (laughs) (laughs) to simulate the leak. And we do the whole scene up to our knees in water for like two or three days, whatever long it took to film that. How incredible!
1: Uh, so that was uh, actually broadcast on the 19th of July, so just a little over 50 years ago. Wow. Yeah, that's right. Wow. Extraordinary, isn't it? Now, so your first TV, but did you have a sense of momentum or have you never had that sense? Because I know as an actor it's, it's hustling a lot of times. Yes. But did you feel a sense of momentum getting your first TV job? And
4: Well, I, I, you see, I was very fortunate, I think. Um, the drama school I went to... It shows you the changing times, basically. The drama school I went to would only take two non-white students for any annual intake, for right. the year intake. One black girl, one black boy. Right. And the reasoning for that was that there wasn't any work out there, so there's no point training up a whole bunch of us and sending them out into a period of constant unemployment. So rather than trying to drive change Absolutely. by they, having more black students... they status, yeah. yes. But when I got out of drama school, here when I after I got my first job, in which I had to wait probably a couple of months before I got my first job, which was up in uh, the Belgrade Theatre in Coventry. Yeah. Um, once once that happened, I mean, then jobs for me rolled in. Yeah, dovetailed. I mean, sometimes I was doing yeah, a telly and a stage play, or Amazing. two tellies. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I was thinking, I mean, I have colleagues. Uh, you know, from the Caribbean, from Africa, we're also actors who were having a hard time getting yeah. work. And I was, yeah. you know, I've just come into the business and I'm getting work left, right and centre. Yeah. And I'm thinking, well, what's, 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 <laughs> what are they complaining about? It's OK. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it was OK for me. I mean, I think I was lucky. It's tempting to think it's always like that, isn't
1: it? Ooh, the thing, yeah. when work is coming thick and fast. Yeah, yeah.
4: Um, <laughs> yeah. So... Uh, you know, going on to this and and the other, <laughs> curiously though, mm. you know, almost every tele which I ever did, probably except for that first one, I played a doctor.
1: <laughs> right. There you
4: go. <laughs> I yeah. played a I number see. of doctors. Yeah, funny, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> and every time I got a doctor's part, I go and see my own physician and say, "Well, this patient is suffering from such and such. <laughs> you know, how would you, as a doctor, and get some notes from?" Oh,
1: that. Great. <laughs> oh, oh, now.
4: Uh, That sound, Anton, means it's time for Quickfire 5.
1: Now, I'm going to ask you five quickfire questions. No right or wrong answer, but you need to pick either of the answers I give you. Are you ready for these? Yes. Uh, Now, what would interest you more, diving to the sea depths as in warship or exploring strange new worlds aboard Moonbase Alpha? Oh, the latter, I think. Oh, really? Space? Yeah, absolutely, ah. yeah. Uh, pick a holiday. Beneath the swaying palms of Thunderbird's Tracy Island or the English countryside
4: of uh-huh. Jerry's series The You Secret don't need to Service. go any further. The, <laughs> <laughs> the seaside, of course. It has <laughs> to be. Uh, a
1: year working at Pinewood or a year working on stage? Ooh. Mm. Stage, really? Great. You're on the moon as it blasts away, but what would you take, the complete works of Shakespeare or a month's worth of meals from your favourite restaurant?
4: Shakespeare, I think. Oh. <laughs> and finally, you have to
1: choose a colour from the Dulux paint range and become a Spectrum agent from Captain Scarlet. So, are you Captain Kiwi Crush or Lieutenant Mint Macaroon? Ooh,
4: I'm not sure what I, those two are, but the the um, the. Uh Kiwi Crush sounds good <laughs> Perfect.
1: Thank you very much. That's your quick fire five, Anton. Uh, now, thanks so much for joining us this week. I hope you can join us again uh, next week when we'll be talking more about your career, uh, for your early um, uh, TV career as well, and then moving on to your important work with Caribbean Theatre
4: Company okay, as well. look forward to it. Uh,
1: in the meantime, is there anywhere we can find you? Do you do social media at all where any of our viewers or listeners can get in touch? Um,
4: not really. I mean, I, I am on Facebook, but uh, yeah. and I think I'm on LinkedIn. Okay. Uh, but Nothing
1: else. Okay. Uh, Great. Well, we're very lucky to have you with us. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us. It's Anton Phillips, everyone.
0: Anton Phillips. Amazing. How perfect. Perfect for breakaway day. Yeah. And Uh, such
1: a nice man. uh, Such a lovely man, full of stories, full of the joy of life, and full of joy for his career as well. What a fascinating career.
0: Quite right too, Uh, and I'm sure lots of post will be now having heard. half the story absolutely
1: only half the story yeah second half next week that's how it goes anton will be joining me again in that very chair we'll be after breakaway day by then
0: so we'll be safe that's right well he won't be <laughs> no true yeah amazing uh,
1: yeah uh other guests coming up i think we've got genevieve god coming soon.
0: have we i think so to talk about um you know thunderbirds, thunderbirds. Yeah. yeah that's great yeah and many more many many more and we got um in a few months mm-hmm. time mm-hmm. weeks time we've mm-hmm. got uh the uh, editorial lead for ITVX as well. Yes, we. Craig Morris, have. lovely Craig. Absolutely right. Who's basically responsible for so many Anderson shows being on BritBox and ITVX because he's such a fan. and he's a Very lovely man as well. So Excellent. What a great variety we've got. So much to look forward to. Mm.
1: Uh, so do keep tuning in if you want to uh, see your favourite guests on the Jerry Anderson podcast. Maybe let us know who you'd like to see. You know, it is tricky getting hold of people. A lot of people have uh, you know send the same names, and I quite understand that. Mm. We do reach out to via a variety of ways: emails and Facebook, and yeah. even on Twitter. And of course, you
0: know, not not everyone gets back to us not everyone sees those messages
1: no uh, and if they do perhaps they aren't even interested and that's fair enough
0: but most of the time once they do see the message the thing that really turns them on to coming along and being interviewed by you yes is the fact they get to come to slough so. and play cute mutant recruit oh you're still doing that are you Yeah, good. Oh, good. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. Now,
1: uh, over on Facebook, our Podstrons have been posting all sorts of stuff. Marcus Harris writes, I've never been much of a fan of remakes, reboots or retelling of past TV shows or movies, but occasionally I wonder what a live-action remake of our favourite shows would look like. Uh, I'm not counting that movie. Lol. Says Marcus. Yeah, we do not talk about that. Uh, if they made a live-action Thunderbirds, who would you have play the Tracy Brothers' Jeff Brains et al.? To which Willow Landon-Smith, who we've already mentioned, mm. replies, oh, I've talked about this at length. I'd want Hugh Jackman as Jeff, Hayley Atwell as Penelope, and Peter Capaldi as Parker. Mm. Then for the boys, Sebastian Stan as Scott, Zac Efron as Virgil, Timothy Chalamet as Gordon, Tom Holland as Alan, and last but never least, Lucas Till... As John. Well, then there you go. That's fully cast. I mean, lots of names there. I don't even know because I'm of that age. You see. Yeah. Just mm. too old now. Young actors. I don't know any of them. <laughs> it's true. Funny, isn't it? But yes, uh, it's always a, a topic of conversation, isn't it? Who would star in a live-action remake of your favorite Jerry Anderson series?
0: Mm. Yeah. Who'd, who would play uh, uh, Dick Spanner in a live-action Dick Spanner remake? Well, I've got the chin. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm very available. We know we've got live-action uh, Mike Mercury all sewn up right here. <laughs> You're right, yeah. Uh, would you like me to read some more yeah, Facebook comments? Yeah. Sure. Tab, tab of the Hoop, back mm-hmm. again. It's, mm-hmm. all, it's very Tab of the Hoopy recently, isn't it? Yes, we like it. What details do you appreciate about the Supermarination shows that you believe go largely unnoticed mm-hmm. or underappreciated? Yes. She says. Right. To which Duncan Wilson replied, weathering. 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 It's amazing how a bit of pretend muck, rust, and age makes the world of Anderson shows seem so grounded and real. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's the reason I don't shower. Uh, Mark Perkins says, The acting. Oh. I never refer to it as voice acting, as that somehow seems to diminish it. Uh, in some people's eyes. A scene like Thunderbird 2 crash-landing at the start of terror in New York City was brilliantly acta- acted by Shane and David. Agreed. Mm. Yeah, the voice acting is good. I'm going to yes. call it voice acting because it, it, it is that. Yeah, sure. I don't think it, it is I don't that. think that downplays it. Sure. And Ian Stevens says, for me, it's how alive the world seemed to be. For example, Thunderbird's Day of Disaster... The MSV being transported through the city towards the bridge, and in the background, there are vehicles moving along an elevated bridge. You always saw vehicles moving around, which made the world seem so alive.
1: Oh, yeah, that's right. It is all about bringing that world to life in the background, isn't it? Mm. Yes, I think I was having that conversation with Chris Dale when I was invited, or rather forced myself upon him for the randomizer when we were Predator and Prey <laughs> yes. in Space Precinct, and we saw Oren in the background. And I said, I always rather enjoyed being in the background of a shot, even though I wasn't used, because it kind of gave you the idea that Orin was living a life while yeah. the main action was going on. Lou Hirsch hated it, of course. Of course he did. So there's one scene where you can literally just see him sitting like that. With his mask on. Oh, grumpy. And I'm being all animated and fun. Uh, Harry Blythe says, just watching the excellent Upgraded Space Precinct. There we go, on ITVX. Brilliant. It's really grown on me over the years, but it's certainly an odd beast. Equal measures of Blade Runner, the Muppets, and the kind of milk-fed American family wholesomeness of Little House on the Prairie or the Waltons. Wow. (laughs) I can see that. Yes, with the Brogan household. Yeah. And the Muppets, yeah. it's a few sort of Muppet-like creatures, I suppose.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure I quite get the Little House on the Prairie or Waltons <laughs> vibe.
1: Space Waltons. <laughs> 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 Nanite Brogan. Yeah,
0: Na-night. strange. night yeah. Oh, and finally, talking of guests, yeah, read that one out from Earl Black. Oh, Earl Black says, uh, it's been so long. Yeah, don't read it out like that. <laughs> Sorry. It's been so long since we've had the ultra-brilliant Terry Adlam on the show. Is it possible that we could please, please, please have him again soon? Yeah Terry Christmas anyway Yeah
1: I think I should get in touch with Chris uh, With Chris And his dear friend Terry
0: <laughs> For a Terry Christmas Obviously I was thinking of Christmas Of
1: is. course yeah Because it would be great to have him around the table Wouldn't it over Christmas
0: I think so yes So I know
1: he's just working just over the road there So um, Yeah he is literally just yeah. around the corner He'd come in his lunch hour couldn't he Perfect done Right I'll get on to that Thanks Earl Thanks for the thought Cheers Earl uh, Yeah all for now but do Head on over to facebook.com Forward slash groups Forward slash podstrons uh, Answer a few questions And we'll let you in And you can join in the fun Great. Yeah. Do easy it. as that. Love yeah. it. That's right. Love it. Talking of things that other people love that you don't. <laughs> no, I <laughs> love it too. Just other people. No, I love it too. Yeah, it's getting a bit awkward, isn't yeah, it? No, it's not awkward. He's only there, at all. you know. I mean, considering you called him, what was it, about um, last week? I don't try and throw I me under the bus. Remember, this is all about like no, you now. I can't remember what you called it. Oh, something, like ears, wasn't it? Or, um, Arid ears. <laughs> <laughs> that's just so, observational. So don't lecture me about my little randomizer, which I do happen to love. Get on with it. All I'm trying to say is it's time for the randomizer. All
0: right, fine. Thank God.
5: Anton Phillips, hello. What a perfect person to come and uh, press the button on the old randomizer for us today. Hello, Ravy. Where would you like to, uh, to stick your little finger today? That one. That button right <laughs> there, yes. We have several buttons on here now. And now as it uh, makes its selection. Which series are you hoping to come on the randomizer today? Space 1999? Space 1999 oh, yeah. would be a pe- <laughs> Well, not? now look, yeah, at yeah, that. look at that you've got the magic touch there i think you are the first guest who's pressed the button on this has actually um, produced an episode from their own show yep. it's an episode of space 1999 as we've said this is alpha child ah so one. yes indeed <laughs> that one so thank you very much would nice you pleasure. mind coming back next week to do it again of course brilliant see you then thank you very much oh, so we now welcome back to the randomizer space 1999 First season, it feels like an eternity since we were last here, and we open with a nice happy scene of the first baby born on Alpha. 11
2: dark hair, blue eyes.
3: He's beautiful.
5: And of course, he's got a full head of hair, as all TV, uh, TV babies have to do. And I do like the, the reactions of various characters here. The men all shaking each other's hands as if it's somehow something relating to them and Sandra getting her little moment of... I'm um, happy. Emotions that probably even she can't understand, so Koenig isn't even going to try.
4: Are
2: there any complications? None whatsoever. No, wait until after the opening
5: titles for the complications. I also like how Barbara Bain, A, looks really tired. But B looks really happy, as she would do in this situation. Aww. And that uh, extra who just left, the nurse, is... Um, I didn't realise until the Space 1999 vault came out, that's Andrea Allen, who was uh, an extra in UFO. Uh, I don't think she was in many episodes of this, but it is quite obviously her. And Sid Heyman as the, um, the mother, Sue Crawford. And there's little Jackie. Oh, nothing bad is going to happen to him you ominous light from space but this is uh, this is an episode i have i have mixed feelings about but i do like the horror element in the first half particularly this pre-titles the sudden metamorphosis happens off screen you just hear the beeping and then five-year-old boy clawing at the air uh, the glass Oh, I'm Anton Phillips. I'm Dr. Matthias. Oh, oh, sorry. Uh, so we are now back from the opening titles, uh, and actually, you know, I was sitting here thinking, how how amazing is this now? That a we are on on uh, video. I hope you're all enjoying it. But b that we can have uh, people who are involved with the productions come in and press the button on the randomizer. It it is quite something after 250 weeks to uh, to have actual people from, from the shows pressing the button. It's, uh, it's amazing. And of course, this is a Space 1999 episode selected by Space 1999's own Anton Phillips. What could be more appropriate? Anywho, with uh, poor Sue under sedation, we now have to deal with uh, little Jackie. Um, and everyone has a varying degree of reactions here. Oh, young man. What I like is, considering how this later goes, that Koenig is the most open to it, whereas Helena is obviously in a state of extreme shock. Um, you know, Koenig is, is quite clearly stunned as well, but he is like, okay, this is still a person, something strange has happened to him, he's still one of my people, um, let's see if we can help him a bit.
2: He's going to be five years I don't know. This whole thing is totally beyond normal
5: medical experience. Mm. And I believe the uh, the name of the the young Jackie here is is played by a, a young actor named I think Wayne Brooks. I apologise if I've got that wrong, but I think he's uh, he gives an incredibly sinister performance throughout this this episode. And that's a lot to ask of a child actor, but. He does very well.
2: Yeah, psychological problems, medical problems, things we could
5: deal with, but this... And I also love the, the sense that you get with this episode that this, this is a community, and a community yes, that has been sort of looking forward oh. to this day, you know, collectively and individually, as, as Helen said there. I could have something to do with it. It's his father's fault. But of course, his father, I believe, is, uh, is deceased, as... <laughs> A, a, should we say a pre-stardom Rula Lenska is here to tell us?
2: I know. He has spent all his working hours in here. the place was torn apart when he
5: died. I think she actually doesn't there even get no credit for this needed. this scene. I also love how this is obviously the nuclear generating area set from Force of Life, which is an enormous set. Yes. Looks great. And you know, having built it for that episode, they now have no reason in subsequent episodes to use it. So now it's back for this episode. And it's crawling with extras in a way that it wasn't in previous episodes.
2: No to to be normal. You mean we cannot ever expect to have normal children?
5: This is another lovely scene as well. And again, this is a fine exhibit to anyone who criticized the show for for wooden performances and, and characters. It's, it's lovely to see these five regulars all have their own view on, on what's happened. And I like as well that Suzanne Raquette's there. I, you know, even though she has no dialogue, I like that she is considered regular enough to, to be part of this scene.
2: And even with, with no
5: dialogue, she's, she's doing a great job in the background there as well.
2: Yeah, well I'd love to do something.
5: And I also, when I first saw this, I assumed that Jack Crawford must have been someone who died pre-Breakaway. You don't ever get an explanation of of who he was, other than that he died seven months ago and that his wife was, you know, obviously pregnant with Jackie at that time. I suppose, you know, it doesn't really need to to have an explanation of when he died died, because, you know, people drop, drop dead left, right and centre in this show. I also like there, it always makes me smile, that that prop they've given Jackie to play with is, um, that's a surgical laser. (laughs) Why, why are two trained, competent doctors giving children a surgical laser? Our first concern is
2: how we're going to look after
5: him. Second concern is why are we having this conversation on the nuclear generator area set? I
2: think we've got to give him the best chance we can.
5: Again, it is just, we've got this set, got to make use of it. And I think he they made use of elements of it in later episodes, uh,
3: even,
5: even into the second season, I think. Again, Rula no. milling no. around as an extra in the background there.
3: Child.
5: Yeah. I like that as well, that it's just, at first some of the Alphans are prepared to consider this is just one of those space things.
3: No new facts, no
5: nuances. It's And there he is. And I also, again, going to all the extras here, uh, uh, let's see. I'm trying to pick out names. Oh, Sarah Bullen there. Loftus Burton. Uh, Is that Chai Lee? Or is that someone I've invented? I love how everyone is instantly uneasy, except Alan, who's like,
2: And what's your
0: name?
5: You're my new Jackie. friend.
0: Oh,
2: huh?
5: And you like it's in scenes like this, where you think How back to what you've heard me? about the origins of, well, the beginnings of the series and Nick Tate's involvement or possible lack of involvement with it. And you just think, well, just this show you know, without Nick Tate would be a very sad empty place. I mean, you yeah, know, they would have still done enormous work. Um, maybe they would have found someone who approached the same level of just, just charm and class, but
3: Nick Tate just brings so much
5: humanity to the show. And I think it's something, it's an energy that a lot of the other actors um, kind of pick up on.
4: <laughs> I like that reaction as well. Uh,
5: and of course, it's Alan's acceptance of the kid that kind of wings everyone else over. I love that. Uh, and also something I love is,
2: I think it begins with
5: this scene, is that Jackie begins to take against Koenig. Yeah. And you can almost see the the, the smile of a villain there.
3: <laughs> stock footage of, uh,
5: of uh, Brian Johnson explosions it is then. Yeah, I, I like how, with this scene, Jackie begins to take against Koenig, who was the first person to welcome him.
2: I want to see
3: a pretty
5: picture, Jackie. Wow. Is that the best that? you can do? Okay, I don't know if the kid was directed to yawn there or if that's just um a happy accident, but that was that was class yes, um, oh, there you go. Let him play with the buttons on the commander's desk. What could possibly go wrong? Well, I mean, especially considering that none of them are marked. Yes, there's a lot of them there. Hmm. Yes, just some wonderful, a very sinister child. I don't know if anyone knows what uh, what became of him after this show. Uh, I hope he he lived a long and happy life. Uh, I don't know if he uh, did any other acting work, but he's uh, he's uh, a force to be reckoned with in this episode, but which is quite surprising. Tired, well, maybe if I'd found some prettier pictures for him to look at. There's the, uh, the space glowy thing. And, uh, yeah, our first appearance in this episode of Barry Morse. I think this was uh, filmed when... Well, no, this wouldn't have been filmed when Barry was away on holiday, because Barry is, is clearly here on the screen. But I think the fact that Barry only appears in two episodes points to him uh, having had some vacation time during the shooting of this episode.
2: Very good.
0: Top
5: of the (laughs) class. Again, another actor who brings great humanity to this show. But what I find surprising is um, considering how many people say, Oh, you really miss Barry Morse through the second series. And I I miss him, certainly. I'm surprised how little you miss him in this episode. After this scene, I think he's only in one more. It's a very brief shot.
2: You've got the
5: most lovely flower that you've made all by yourself. This is the joy of drawing with Victor Bergman. Uh, and well, yeah, what is
3: this you is uh, then?
5: this is recycled
2: Secret Service music. His weight feels good, thirty-eight pounds. He's making normal progress now, oh. finding out all about us. Your father knew everything there was to know about this
5: powerhouse. I also like the lighting do on the child's face there it? as well. he oh, looks
2: bright enough. <laughs> I just keep trying to admit test to find out no intelligent he
5: really is. <laughs> I'm going to have to check the end credits to see if Rula Lenska is credited. She's had a lot of dialogue for someone oh. that I don't think gets a mention on the end titles. But it's a nice, a very nice little montage of Jackie Learning about Alpha and its people and simultaneously learning about that flashing uh, red light there. And again the lighting over the eyes is um is very sinister. Well she's nearly dead.
2: She totally rejected the job. a reaction. Mm. Especially as we've kept her drugged since he was, since he was born. She won't even see him. I have a feeling that if she could see what a comparatively normal life he's leading. It's the manner of his growth that's so disturbing, Helena. I must admit I can't accept her either. Mm. It's
5: the beginnings of a lovely story here. I'm sure other sci-fi shows must have done something similar to this. This feels very twilight zone of the a little boy suddenly uh, well a baby um suddenly growing up into a little boy
2: oh, yeah.
5: also an interesting uh, attribute to the character that the alphans believe him to be deaf and i think oh. evidence sort of backs that out but it doesn't last so I'm not sure why it's there to begin with. Aww. <laughs> also, the, the miniature Commander uniform is quite sweet. Uh, any young Space 1999 fans out there, did you ever have one of these as a kid? I don't think they were manufactured, but I'm sure you had a, an auntie who would have made you one. They're certainly
2: making good progress. Oh, yeah, These bright enough, all right.
5: Yes, in my experience, once, todd- once toddlers get to the uh, knows-how-to-open-doors phases, there's, uh, there's no stopping them.
2: Is Victor? I think all our inquiring minds have become just a little charmed with young Jackie. Hmm. you I mean he's still under observation? <laughs> he's got to be. Oh. Jackie? Can I see a drawing? Mm-hmm. He says that you are not as willing to be charmed as the rest of us now. No. Oh,
5: that was an unusual comlock right there. noise there. I don't recognize that from uh, any other episode. But I, mean, I do have a comlock right here. Uh, this one, this doesn't make any noise at all. Um, it's a gorgeous prop, though. More reused. Oh, I don't know if that's Secret Service or Joe 90 music. That's Secret Service music, yeah. Oh, no. There's a green glowy thing. We're alert. We've seen enough of those to know that that's bad news. And behind it, oh, evil green spaceship.
2: Where did that come from? It's heading to the north quadrant.
5: Confirmed. Who said that? Was that meant to be Sandra or Tanya? It didn't sound like either of them. So, meanwhile, Jackie's drawing is revealed as a drawing of the spaceship that is approaching Alpha. Oh, this kid is a master in the sinister close up. I don't know if he had, like, tutoring. Oh. Well, we may as well take a look out the window at it. Oh. So, while everyone is distracted, here comes Jackie. Be an alternate title for this episode really here comes Jackie and another sinister close-up as we go into the advert break
3: <laughs> yeah
5: definitely Secret Service music again that there is as well I think this is last train to Buffalo's halt I go up there in my Eagle fly it around and look classy as heck very unusual to see this part of the main mission set, and I would have to assume that that was was standing all the time that the set was. Uh, you see people coming in, you know, from the perspective of being in main mission. You don't really see beyond that that wall. Open all channels for any response from
2: there. Anything. Any hmm. anytime I can. come in. Set the green light. Oh. No
5: oh, yeah, very small Just green light.
2: You hang in there with him and report the first sign of life. All right. Moving in a little
5: closer. Alan's got his trusty co-pilot with him. Um, This is Pete Johnson, I think, played by I think the actor's name is James Fagan, or Fagan possibly. But he's again, I think, an actor who he's in three or four episodes. He always acquits himself really well. I kind of wish he'd got a bit more to do.
3: Composition mm. unknown. It's 100 metres in diameter, 40 metres high, yet
2: it has very low density. It's your The computer finds some form of life indicator, but not human. Without previous experience, computer cannot
3: identify.
5: Ah, yes. We'll discover later that the uh, the ship is populated by, I believe, disembodied Spirits.
2: The other side and make the first
5: move. So well, I guess they're not going to, 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 to be in any position to attack alva even if they wanted to.
2: very close, so? I think we should make the first move.
5: You want me to that give him the for good for old us. Aussie hello? Ah, uh, but of course, we get the feeling that Jackie is manipulating events. And people, possibly.
2: Alan?
5: Return to base. Huh? 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 Lots of quick reaction shots there. Why? Why didn't you let me blow up the thing I
2: wanted to blow up? They could have blasted you right out of that sky, but they didn't. Hmm. Maybe they've got just what they want by keeping quiet.
5: But Commander, we're wide open. All right, let's put ourselves on their shoes. Again, this sort of harkens back slash forward to... um, War games, where we have a very similar situation, and Koenig ultimately chooses the um, fire first and uh, deal with the consequences later approach, which is kind of at odds to what he does here. And Paul and Alan are the ones who want to uh,
2: to blast it. Hmm.
5: Yeah, that's not a. Let's take Jackie a philosophy that the character would consistently pursue extended? throughout the series, particularly into the questions. second season.
2: You see, I don't know why he is like he is. I can't explain it, nor do I understand it. But I'm not about to shoot him. Ah, you're a good egg. <laughs> <laughs>
3: uh,
5: I think as well, the maybe the child has possibly some slight makeup on he looks quite pale oh that's a creepy shot i saw him smile and set a shiver up my
2: spine so knowing almost as if he were mocking his mother's death Mm. where is
5: he now she's not dead yet but she's nearly there
2: somewhere somewhere (laughs) well that's a big base
5: there's lots of pretty Paul. things to look at. Lots of drawing and colouring to do. I also love that he gives Paul the uh, the order to normal. do that. Yeah. There's no one else on the base who uh, maybe has a bit less to do than Paul.
2: Too bright. Hmm. There's something else. Just a feeling I have, something I can't explain. But I trust it. I think he's fooled all of us. on, oh, Three ah. more spaceships approaching out. I think there's a connection. Mm. It's just a hunch.
5: But I'm the star of the series and my hunches are always right, Damn it. Yeah, I like that the threat this episode comes essentially from one of their own. I see Even though Jackie hasn't been there for very long, everyone is clearly so prepared to accept him. <laughs> Even when he does weird things like that, again, this just the staring now. Oh.
3: Alan, I want you
2: to lead three eagles and intercept those ships before they reach Alpha. Oh, shoot? No, just
5: let them know we're ready for them. <laughs> Can I shoot something, Commander? I've I've not shot anything this week. Oh dear.
2: It's an attack. Alan,
5: stop them! Save us, Alan, save us! But of course, Jackie is. Uh, Paralyzed him, essentially. Yes, delayed him, certainly. And of course, only Koenig can see it. Because Koenig is just so damn hard. (laughs) Somebody poke him with a stick. Come on, let's get the guy moving. Hmm. Now there's a video on YouTube, I think, I suspect it, it's probably been taken down, of um, There was an old TV series, was it called Big John, Little John? And someone took the opening titles of that, the opening song, I should say, and set it to footage of um, Big John Koenig, Little John Koenig. Uh, I have no familiarity with the show whatsoever, so I may have got that wrong. If it's still around, it, it's quite fun, but yeah jackie is now no more he's uh, he's gone bye-bye because koenig looked at him funny oh, poor little guy in his little commander's uniform uh yeah that's unfortunately i think the last we see of the little kid yeah quite a shame because he's a. Uh, you know, the Anderson shows didn't employ too many child actors, but he was, I would say, probably one of the better ones.
2: Fire at will. you Hey. Halfway through the episode, he gets to shoot something. manual override.
5: Manual override? They're moving very fast. I
3: said manual
5: override. There's a cover version of the Space 1999 theme produced by a group or an artist called Ambassadors of Om. And it's, as cover versions go, it's quite interesting because not only do they sample a very brief bit of the the opening titles, the theme tune, they then recite lines of dialogue from various episodes, and that exchange there between Alan and and Pete was, was one of them. Manual override, they're moving very fast. I wouldn't have said that was a particularly memorable exchange from the series. I think the uh, Ambassadors of Om version is probably on YouTube somewhere. It's quite a, a catchy version of the theme, if just strange uh, for the fact that the people involved recorded themselves reenacting lines from the show. And not even iconic lines, just um, you know, random lines. Anywho, I've waffled all over well, Koenig face palmed because Alan's attack did not go well. Luckily, the aliens neutralized the eagles rather than destroyed them, very gently set them down on the lunar surface. Meanwhile, Jackie is uh, making all the medical monitors go, uh, go screwy again. Cell growth has accelerated far beyond
2: the capacity of our instruments to measure. Is that
5: increasing? Yes. Hmm. What can we expect this time? Oh. How about? Six-year-old eight-year-old.
2: It's got to be more than a coincidence. The arrival of those spaceships and know this. As... You say Jackie. Look, you've got to stop calling that Jackie. I'd rather some some alien power amongst us. Sooner or later, we may have to destroy it.
5: It's a big...
2: The giant the human being.
5: Yeah, it's a big issue for the episode to wrestle with. And luckily, they don't have to explore that within the story. But...
2: we pass see what will happen.
5: There, there must there be other movie similar stories. I, I don't, don't know, know would, um, more would Village what of the Damned it? be one of those? I've not, I've not actually uh, seen or it or experienced throughout. it, so I could be wrong, but the idea of a community so like having to, to turn on and destroy its own children because them. they fall into an alien force right. is... It's irresistible it's as really a sci-fi horror story idea, it which of course makes it perfect for 1999.
2: How do you think they'll respond?
5: But it's a very heavy idea for a, a mainstream television series to, to play with. With Dr. Russell.
2: At the moment, our hands are tied. So I'm back to pacing again. It's so all I can do. Get an eagle up off the pad. We couldn't be sure we'd hit them anyway. Oh. What oh. happened out there, Ronald? Well, um... I, I selected the onboard ranging
5: tradition. combined with manual override. The it didn't problem. work.
2: As a matter of fact, you were virtually incompetent. <gasps> Oh. No, I, mean, were out there.
5: I like as well the E, so
2: fighting words. What are, you, what are you trying to say to me, come out I... I think you were gotten to somehow. By Jackie Crawford. Oh dear. Jackie Crawford. That's right. All right, all this talk isn't gonna help us any. But I do have an idea which hmm. might work. If the activity on the alien ship stops soon, then we might just have a chance. Well, it's quite primitive. My idea is to set four men on the surface, on foot, each carrying hand-held armor-piercing lasers. They position themselves, one under each of the alien ships. They coordinate and fire simultaneously. One
5: of the things of the I love range. about 1999 is the idea of contemporary man going out into the universe that they're not ready for, and encountering life forms that are far beyond them. You know, even in, with this episode, well, not so much this one, but others, humanoid life. You know, it looks like us. It's advanced far beyond us. I just love sometimes how, with this show, the plan has to be as primitive, as Koenig says, they're very primitive. Just take a big gun and go out there and, and fire at the ships. It's not even going to scratch these ships, um, but let's have a go anyway. Let's have a go. It's also, yeah, I believe that is the only time you see Kano in a spacesuit. A lot of work getting Clifton uh, Clifton Jones into the spacesuit for one scene. Uh, Because you never really see any of the actors' faces. You could have just got one actor um, and changed the the name on the helmet. But Jackie's cell growth has uh, ceased. What have we got under the blanket this time? be anything could be something really scary and sinister or it could be a very good actor with a um, questionable hairdo and an even more questionable costume this is the point and I said earlier I have mixed feelings about this episode up until this point I feel it's been really effective but with the introduction of of the adult um Jackie here or Jarrak as we will we'll come to know him, I feel we lose something. Uh, mm. I don't know what it is.
3: Mm.
5: I think the costume does not help anything um obviously uh, it's no no fault of Julian Glover I, because he's just always a legend
2: name but
5: is you know. Jarrah. As cool Why, as he is, as now me, that we have him I strutting about again in, in tinfoil underpants, um, making threats,
2: the, the, the level of horror of is
5: reduced significantly. And obviously you can't sustain that for an entire episode, have, have the, the young Jackie all the way through and never really know what happened. So many
2: things. We'd like to
5: know also. But it is just something, that in that in moment, my, my enjoyment of the episode takes spaceships. a dip. I, I don't know. And again, it is a nice uh, idea of the concept of an alien race that can take possession of human bodies but only at the moments of birth and death. It's a very, very clever, very sinister one. Now this music, I always skip this when listening to it on the soundtrack album because it goes on for quite a while and it is rather unpleasant to listen I to it,
2: You will tell oh. me,
5: Dr. Ooh, that, I don't know, honking noise coupled with the eerie whistling Yes And again, we have some great lighting here Poor old Dr. Matthias, there we go <laughs> this is what we covered in in anton's um interview or will cover i should say um about dr matthias's role in the series as a as a you know a, a trouble magnet uh, but I, I always love with this show something about this shade of blue is just great for horror stuff whether it is breakaway or force of life or troubled spirit just something about the medical center the blue light helen is often there alone and the sinister whatever is uh, is lurking nearby it's it's always just gorgeous and i don't think they i don't i can't recall one instance of sinister blue light in in series 2 possibly someone out there can correct me but ah damn i do like the laser rifle prop as well so um Helena fainted? Matthias has woken her up. They are still in there with Julian Glover. And he's still dressed just as silly as he was before she and passed out.
2: Now you will stop them.
5: I think as well it's the medallion.
2: But you will.
5: Oh. But he has got a, a nice line in um, in creepy stairs, much like the kid. Oh no. And now, now that he's older, Jackie can multitask. He can uh, work Helena and strangle Matthias. Poor old Matthias. This episode's uh, other alternate title might as well be um, Dr. Matthias's no good, quite awful, really rubbish kind of day. Because he's suffocated. I don't think he's punched. But he, you know, he's put through the ringer quite a bit with this story. Are right about Jackie. I, was, I was. I was right. The fire, the <laughs> My theory has been vindicated. Hooray for me! Ah, yes. Now, again, this is this starts off as quite a a horrific moment, as uh, poor old Sue Crawford, who is herself having a, a no good, quite awful, fairly rubbish several weeks by this point, wakes up and sees the adult form of. What was her son? And he begins staring her to death. I also wonder if um, it might have been fun to, to in some way, represent Jack Crawford, the you know, died off-screen Jack Crawford, as as Julian Glover, and then when she wakes up and sees him in front of her, the 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 shock is even more uh, pronounced. Whereas here, yeah. Jerak has just stared her to death. But now he's got the green light shining into her eyes. You know, I think what I find silliest about this is um, the costume change and the fact that Sid Heyman is now about to look considerably more glammed up than she did a moment ago. Um, I, I don't know, I think something might be more. It might be more horrific if they just let her look rough and done in and haggard. You know, fine for the aliens to take possession of of her body at the point of death. But very nice of them to do her hair and her lips and give her new clothes. And, um, yes. Prime, probably the ickiest moment in the whole of Space 1999 here. Um, yes. Mother kissing her son on the lips. Obviously, you know, they're not, but they kind of are, and it's just That's always icked me out, and I know I'm not alone in that. So, Koenig has rounded up some of his faithful security guards. We've got the entrance to medical center covered from both ends. And that I would assume is a rare instance of you actually being able to hear the rollers of a door on the set, because normally I think if someone walks through the door, you would hear that boom sort of hum as the door opens and closes. You rarely hear that that wooden rolling sound, which is interesting.
2: Tell to put down their weapons, or I'll kill Alan.
5: What did I do? Well, I can't I can't lead Alpha without Alan. I can lose anybody else, but not Alan. Yes, yeah, so this, um, oh dear. Now we, we see the costumes in their full glory. And uh, Koenig is just like, he's as stunned as I am by all this.
2: Thank you, Dr. Russell. You are now
5: released. I don't think anyone would have questioned if the the revived Jarak and... Um, what's her name? I've, oh, he said it and I've forgotten. I don't think anyone would question if they were still walking around in their old clothes. Admittedly, Jackie's mini commander uniform yes, would have had to stretch. No Sue Crawford. Oh no, that's Jenny the Crawford. character's former name.
2: I can't remember what her no present name is. You are commander of moon base alpha.
5: So Jarak is still struggling with his words there. Now, like
2: you, we are involuntary
5: through he's, a, he's mastered public we speaking. Souls in all. And, you know, when you cast Julian Glover, like you, who's got a wonderful speaking
2: voice, uh,
5: you want to we hear him talk and talk at length.
2: In which to our
5: he also gets Why? a very nice Why? line Why? here. Like um, what well, a slightly silly mind. line that I'm surprised doesn't get more human note. Emotions.
2: I like
5: the difference Let's see if we've, uh, we've got it here.
2: But on our planet, we faced extermination because we were different.
5: Walking around bare-chested with our medallions. Yes.
2: We are running away.
5: And well, I like, despite the fact reported, that I've said I had issues with these characters, I like that they don't immediately come in as mwahaha, moustache-twirling villains. Villain. Admittedly, they're not far off, but...
2: You can't stay here. We can't sustain more people. Our environment here on Alpha is so precariously balanced, we can barely support ourselves. Commander, there will be no population
4: increase on Alpha. Hmm. We shall simply take over your bodies and make them our own.
5: That's another line that the they quoted the in the, of the ambassador's, ambassadors of Alpha. Um, cover version.
4: The birth of Jackie Crawford gave me my chance.
5: It's a lovely so idea.
2: You killed oh, Crawford?
5: Dr. Russell. Rena, that's so her name.
2: more on Alpha. But sadly, there will be many more deaths. Oh. Here it is. I was very happy with my birth. Unfortunately, <laughs> I wasn't able to do much in
5: any. I love incubator. that line. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's an inherently silly line or, or if it's just it's the the, the way Julian Glover delivers I it. I was very happy with my birth. I, I rated it uh, 8.3 at least.
2: Jarrett.
5: Oh. Don't get too close.
2: You need us. I don't know your people, but they need us alive.
4: You I
5: also like the, um, the reinforcing of the idea that Alpha's life support system cannot support an infinite number. A, they don't have the space, but B, you know, they just don't have the energy. Despite the fact that they've lost a lot of people by this point. There's that music I don't like again. And it's coming up on a rather interesting moment of horror. Because I think Koenig would would shoot Jarek to save Alpha, but We have a a security guard extra who's about to get involved and another extra is about to pay the price. Yep, there's a security guard extra jumping off a trampoline, pulling down the commander and... Oh no! (laughs) It's a very sudden, very violent moment for a character that you've never seen I've before, the actual frame plan? where he goes it up in flames.
2: Poor guy. You. Your yes. choice is between a future of one of us,
4: or no future at all.
5: I would have to assume that guy is not dead because, you know, he isn't instantly reborn as a glammed-up, uh, tinfoil-wearing personage. I also love the extra standing next to him, which is Mike Stevens. Uh, I don't know if I've spoken about Mike Stevens, but he is a master at um, a look of concern. He's start. he's in all these you ITC shows. Missed. He's in a couple of episodes of UFO, but he's in you this first season all over the place. Died. And I just love it's his trademark, look of concern. He's just alpha, and there was a prime example. Someone explodes right be next be to him and he's like, "Love it." to transfer it.
2: themselves to those of your dying bodies. Oh no. That have been selected.
5: I like this as well that the security guards in Koenig, they aren't succumbing to this as quickly as everyone else is.
2: a and
5: Yes, there's Andrea and Allen again. Of
2: our former life will be lost forever.
5: And I think we get Barry Morse's brief cameo here
3: for your group.
5: Yeah, there we go.. <laughs> An easy day's filming for Barry Morse, I suspect.
2: The designated will
5: die. Also used in Ambassadors of Om, they plunder this episode in particular quite heavily. Yes. And we, we now get um, a mini Matthias subplot, which is unusual for this show. I don't think it's deliberately written to give him more screen time, just uh,
2: it, that's the way it, it, it works out.
5: Interesting there as well, you can see Anton's makeup is rubbed off, rubbed off on the carpet. I don't know if that was always visible on the DVDs, but it's certainly visible now on Blu-ray. So the four alien ships are now three. Because another alien ship has turned up on the scene. We recognize that. I think that was later reused as the uh, alien bomber in war Wargames. Regardless, they oh no, they've found us. Time to make a run for it. And uh, this is an, a sequence coming up here that rewards if you're paying attention to extras you will notice there's a scene coming up where um, Jarek and Rena shoot a group of Alphans in a corridor. They all fall down. Shoot the Alphans, all fall down. And they run through the bodies. And Julian Glover, he's trying his best, but he his foot treads on the hand of one of the female extras. And to her credit, I don't know her name, uh, she does she she maybe flinches just a little, but they don't they don't call cut, they leave it in. This is it and it's the uh, she's on the left i think it's the yellow sleeve lady there we go oh. oh it might have been the other lady makes me wince every time and it's one of those things where you don't notice it initially it's probably how it's got through but once you notice it you'll you'll never not notice it so our small squad of Koenig, Carter, Helena, and security guys are on the trail of Jarek and Rena. For some reason, Paul felt it necessary to go along as well and uh is looking after the wounded, which is nice of him. And yeah. They've taken over Medical Center. Will this lady be able to stop them? No. Will Andrea Allen be able to stop them? No. Don't
2: be foolish, doctor
5: and Dr. Mathias shouldn't even try.
2: Computer, medical centre doors are to remain locked. Uh, now having had trouble speaking initially, Jarek
5: can now do impressions. Now, Dr. Mathias, um, I
2: hope you will help us to persuade yeah, I,
5: I, I, um, to this is an Edward Di Lorenzo script and I find his...
4: One life for 300?
5: Oh, that's a nice moment for the character. I find his episodes uneven, uh, to say the least. This I think is definitely the strongest. It's just a shame that we have this really good first half and then like a light switch being thrown. It gets a bit too silly. Not, you know, not unenjoyably so. And it doesn't really, you know, rival any of the sillier moments from series 2. Somehow I know that despite not being in there.
2: We are no longer in a position to make demands.
5: I also like that as well. Going back to what I said about them not being moustache-twirling villains, they accept the reality of their situation. And they don't bargain from strength, they just have to bargain for their lives.
2: (laughs) The combination of Alphan bodies and the minds of my people would have been a splendid one
5: again another lovely line it's just the way Julian Glover delivers it he's got such a wonderful speaking voice you would have become
4: part of us but we have failed
2: the rest of my people have been discovered and destroyed
5: were the rest of your people as glamorous as your lady friend there
2: that we should be allowed to become part of you
5: and I've often wondered over the years, what if they were? What if they were able to, to remain on Alpha? Obviously they can't, you know, we can't add two new characters to the, the mix. But yeah, it would have been nice. Interesting uh, angle to have two, not only aliens on the base, but slightly, not only nefarious ones, but ones that wear the faces of two, uh, two dead Alphans. Appealing for mercy oh. Wow, well, I mercy, mercy. Anybody know what that word "mercy means? Hmm, not sure I do. I also like with Landau, when he's got a group of extras around him, like in that situation. He'll he'll make eye contact with all of them. It's not just Bane and Tate he was looking at there. There He was looking at Quentin Pierre and Tony Allen and the other extras. Yeah, it's the big spaceship that blew up all the other not-quite-as-big-spaceships. Pulsating green light! light. Oh, that's what did for Dr. Breck that time.
4: Destroy us!
2: We'll destroy... The whole of Alpha! Oh no. Uh, well, Alas what?
5: <laughs> what can we give them? D- do they want to meet Ruler Lenska? Jeff! No. More Secret Service music. Are you
2: going to
5: let Alpha be destroyed because of you? bum, 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 bum. Yeah, that's um, definitely Last Train to Buffalo's Halt which I suppose it makes sense for, for the show to plunder a lot of Secret Service music if it wasn't that widely seen. So, the aliens on the alien spaceship are bathing Jarek and Rina in a green light. And they seem to have uh, have died. And with that complete, off goes the alien spaceship. Um, probably to be slightly redressed for its appearance in war games. I don't know, maybe it was uh, left unchanged.
2: Commander, our fading has stopped. The spaceship is leaving. It is going away.
5: It is departing. It is no longer here. And we're about to get a shot of Matthias that I find quite interesting. Um, it's not a sort of, yes, I'm all right, Commander, I looked after everybody, I saved the day. Instead, what you get is something far more human. And I think it's an understated moment of the series. Considering this is an ordinary man from an ordinary world who wasn't trained for anything like this... Yeah, why wouldn't he be in floods of tears after one of the worst days of his life? Um, Considering he has a lot of bad days on Elf, right? I, I really like that moment. It's so small, it's so understated. And speaking of moments that are impossible to dislike, Sue is alive again, so is little Jackie Crawford. They're both back to their previous selves. Do you
2: think they gave themselves up? It's a nice thought, Helena. Huh? I don't think they had any choice.
5: Ah. Well, we end the episode
2: how we started
5: it. With a shot of no little baby Jackie Crawford! so sweet well there we go that was alpha child and as i said that's an episode i yep ruler doesn't get a credit uh as i said that's an episode that i i really enjoy up to the midpoint and then once julian glover comes on the scene my enthusiasm for it just kind of falls away a bit through no fault of him it's just a slightly goofy execution for the the villains so yeah good first half middling second half overall
1: Still a pretty good episode. Oh, imagine that. How random. I can't believe it. Space 1999. Uh, It's a bit of a coincidence, isn't it? And coincidences do exist. That they is do true. Happen. I mean, as Stephen Fry once said, wouldn't it be weird if there were never any coincidences? Oh, that would be weird, wouldn't that's it? That's a great quote. Exactly. Of course there are coincidences. Yeah. And there was one. Space 1999, The Breakaway Day and Anton Phillips. Perfectly released. timed. Yeah, wasn't it? Just? Lovely stuff. Uh, so let's see what he pulls out of the randomizer. Well, he doesn't sort of pull it out, does he? He just <laughs> no, watches. very it's... passive.
0: Let's see what he watches well, in the very, randomizer. he's passive in his watching. But amazing in his analysis. Well, he's not passive in his
1: watching because he comments on what Active he's watching. Active in his watching. Yes. But
0: passive in his… Sitting. Sitting. Yeah. It's yeah. quite a passive thing
1: to do. I want to see him running around.
0: Yes. Maybe doing something. On a treadmill. Yes. As he watches an episode. Okay. Future randomizer a
1: there. there. I like it. Good. Great idea. I'm sure he'll be thrilled. <laughs> uh, anyway, more randomizer next week. More uh, emails from our podstrons next week. Mm. Second part of the interview with Anton Phillips next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, more fab facts next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, more news next week. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Anything else next week? <laughs> I think that's about it, isn't it? Okay. Yeah, I'm feeling a little bit wired. Had too much coffee.
0: I think we better call it a day. Okay. We'll see you next next week. Bye. Five, four, three, two, one,
2: one. Let's get started. Let's go.
4: It's green.
1: I'm oh, sorry about that. Do you get to the point by the end of a podcast where it all just gets a bit weird mm. and it kind of doesn't feel real somehow?
0: Yes. Mm, yeah, it's dangerous. like an out-of-body experience. Out-of-poddy experience? Uh, out
1: of body experience.
0: Is that good? Do you like that? Do you think our listeners have the same thing when they're listening? Do they, well, come, the, they go the a bit end, mad and yeah. <laughs> start saying weird things and doing weird yeah. stuff?
1: So mad that they listen again next week.
0: That would be it next week. Uh, so if you have done something this week or a previous week, Stop then it. do email us, podcast at GerryAnderson.com, uh, perhaps with the subject line, Out of Potty Experience. <laughs> and we'll see you Next, next week. week.
1: <laughs> that was an Anderson Entertainment production.
3: I didn't get to fire the gun. I forgot about that.